Hello and welcome to Super Excited with Stefan Roost. I'm Mike, the facilitator of this podcast. In this episode, Stefan talks to Henry Love. Henry Love is a managing partner at Fundamental Labs and founder of ECN. Henry Love is drawn to big ideas and he wants to fund change and help grow decentralized finance. In this episode, you will hear about Henry himself, as well as Fundamental Labs, which is an investment company specialized in the blockchain sector with over 300 projects in its portfolio. You will also hear about a new breed of VCs, how to identify the new new thing, and how mobile phone tech and crypto are rocking incumbents. Enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Super Excited. And I'm super excited to be here today with Henry Love. Henry Love's from Fundamental Labs. Uh, we got to know each other through Truflation nearly four or five months ago um, and really excited to be working with him at Truflation. Henry, great to see you and great to connect. Um, it'd be great. Maybe maybe Henry, give the audience a bit of background on yourself. You've been in crypto for quite a while, right? Been working with a lot of OGs and I think super interesting background. Thank you, Stefan. Really, really, yeah. uh, really excited to be here. Um, you know, I think we might have met first time, I don't know where, Hong Kong or Japan or, you know, yeah. I might have been the Tokyo conference in 2017, 2018, yeah, I think. That's true. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And when we talked about that, you know, that was the first time yeah. we met. Um, and, you know, and I, my journey in crypto kind of uh, um, uh, really accelerated after, um, you know, leaving Facebook in 2017, late 2017, around September. Yeah. Uh, and I, um, I was very fortunate, uh, you know, in my life that, that I, I speak, um, native Chinese and Japanese and, and during that run of 2017, 2018, and, you know, all focus was on, uh, Japan, right. You know, Japan yeah, was, yeah. was, you know, legalizing crypto was the hub and everyone's going to Tokyo. And then, um, and then China was obviously a huge mining, you know, a hub and, and, you know, with Bitcoin leading the, the pack and everything. Um, and with all the basically the, the the fastest, the best miners coming out of China with Bitmain, you know, yeah. uh, being the, the biggest, you know, 800 pound gorilla. Uh, so my languages became very useful. Um, and my my background from Facebook was working with startup founders and advising them. So so when it comes to time that uh, um, I was interested in, in the world of crypto and um, and, you know, and I met um, in the, the crypto group in, in Austin, um, one of the, uh, the investors, David Johnston, who started the, uh, the, uh, the bit angels in 2012 and then the yeah. DAPS fund in 2014, you know, was one of the first investors in the space and really, really early on, um, uh, got to know, uh, every founder and everyone that's, that's trying to innovate on, yeah. uh, Bitcoin network. And, and I was, uh, basically approached to to be his right hand, uh, you know. So yep. I took on his the the chief investment officer position for his family office, and and was the first hire there. Um, and little did I know, you know, I, and the next thing I know, I'm in Tokyo and and speaking with you and 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 you know and and Roger Ver at the time yeah. he was a huge activist and yeah. and and all of a sudden you know Satoshi Roundtable where all the founders were were. Um, Coming together, together uh, coming together once a year. So you know, so all those things uh, um, accelerated my learning curve, um, yeah. and so I, I basically got a download of like what happened from 
2012 and and how Vitalik and David went to China and and talked to uh, you know yeah uh, I remember Wang that yeah, yeah. and and yeah, the yeah. launch of Fimbushi Capital and yeah. and you know how Ethereum almost ran out of money out of the foundation you know which no one talks about anymore uh, so all these you know interesting stories you know that was like wow like I have a very uh, unique uh, insights in this industry because it's it's just a ton of uh, information arbitrage um, at the time and you know, time. none of that was public so. Yep. Um, so, you know, I've, all of a sudden people have started to realize that like, hey, hey, Henry has unique access to these information. So I, I, we want to invite him to come speak. So so did the whole, you know, speaking tour between 2018, 2019. And then, you know, we went down, um, you know, kind of a, a detour of an enterprise blockchain. Uh, and yeah. you know, we were we thought that we can bring a lot of enterprise transaction to to blockchain and increase the value of of these layer one protocols, uh, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and uh, that's where I met um, you know David Post, who now works at a, a Chainlink, um, Chainlink you know, yeah. as a managing director there. Um, and yeah, and from there, um, um, I met the folks at Fundamental Labs along the way, yeah. and they're they're a fund that started in 2016. Um, and they've done really well. You know, they've been really quiet because a lot of it is proprietary capital, um, and and you know, and they've invested huge into mining. They've acquired a, a Hong Kong trust. Now we have a full blown asset management platform that's you know that's partnered with Coinbase, that's partnered with uh, with you know Terra, uh, uh, a number of different platforms. So um, so you know, so I, I run the Americas, North and South America for Fundamental Labs as a partner. Uh, we're one of four. Uh, I'm one of four now, so we have four partners, and we're growing the team from ten to thirty. Um, and, and, you know, we're onto our fund six, uh, wow. so super excited. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy to, to say that we're, we're on fund six because you know, most other funds are <laughs> fund two, maybe fund two, maybe fund three. And, you know, we just, you know, have looked at it since, you know, for a long time ago, since 2016. So, uh, you know, excited to, um, to have a full team, all the resources to, to support a project like like yours, you know, like trueflation uh, to move forward and democratize information and democratize, you know, uh, decentralized power. And so one of the things that I find really interesting about your background and, and what I've said to David as well is that you are, a, a sort of what I feel is a really a new breed of, of venture capital. You have operational experience, you have product management experience, and you're a part of you know, a bigger operational facility and driving venture. So you have more of a strategic perspective, right? And if you look at your career, you know, sort of to date, you know, you've gone through all of these different phases and, and crypto has evolved significantly over these years, right? How do you see that evolution, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we started off in 2017, we went into the big, you know, bubble, big crash, 2018, yeah. 19, the dark mm -hmm. winter, you know, um, and then COVID even brought us even down further, right? Um, and then, so how do you feel it's evolved? And and what would you say, you know, from the days of 2017 are, are markedly different today in crypto land? It's a great question. You know, uh, I think I'll cover it in a few words, right? And I think the, the first word that I, that I would choose for the, the difference between 2017, 2018 and now is, uh, it's just so much more complicated. It's um, and at the time, you know, we were thinking about this, you know, one token and and 
what does that token represent? You know, the, the supply and demand of token, how does that work? And how does that interact with the community, with investors, with, with all the stakeholders, right? Um, and today, you know, and we, we look at some of these newer projects and, and, um, and are doing really innovative things and, and some are really, really cool, but super complex because they have one token and another token that interact with each other. And then you add the NFTs you know, that are part of it that can earn tokens. And all of a sudden you have these like three different properties within one project. And it's just, you know, the, the economics between these variables that are, uh, you know, created by, by the founders and, and, you know, and a lot of times there is no precedent, right. Uh, there's just big, big experiment. Uh, and big we're tweaking one thing, and, and tweaking one thing and, and that affects the other thing. And, and how do we uh, maintain, you know, all these things all together uh, moving forward, right? And uh, that's, those are the conversations that we're, we're having today in 2022, uh, then 2017. In 2017, it was more like, like who's real, you know, who has track record and, uh, you know, who's not going to run away with money and with the money, exactly. token, right? Yeah. Right, right, right. So it's, yeah. it's a different... It's a different world now, I think. Yeah, and I think yeah. also, you know, the world's of set of tools and the diversity mm -hmm. of and the innovation, the speed of innovation is much quicker today. The talent coming into the market with the tools that are available is also much more mature, which is really exciting to see. Um, and, 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 and the innovation is continuing to keep going at such a velocity, which is, is exciting. Totally. Yeah. And and I mean, with the animation, I think you know, yeah. As you mentioned, like the, the as an investors, we have to change, yeah. right? We have to exactly. move forward, and 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 you know that landscape has changed a lot as well because um, these projects are doing things much more complicated than before. Uh, so we need to uh, learn ourselves to, to stay up to date about information that that don't exist anywhere else. You know, we have to um, do our own research and and kind of dream a little bit about the future you know yeah. what that could look yeah. like right um and instead of kind of looking at uh, uh other examples and say hey like this looks like that so you know this is going to be successful but there's nothing like that within our industry so so we our research component our our own kind of self-learning um and you know and really giving ideas and and supporting founders in the uh, in a different way than maybe traditional vcs are um, investing a thousand companies or hundreds of companies and then hoping for, you know, one of them is going to, uh, is going to, to pop and, and return the fund. Um, for us as a, as a operation, you know, we're, yeah. we're fun is, you know, one of three aspects of, you know, we have asset management, we have an infrastructure business and we have a fund. And with that, um, you know, uh, every investment that we make, we, we look at it from a, a, not only from a return standpoint, but from a, from a significance in the industry, right? From, from yeah. what this project will look like 10 years from now, how could this really transform the world, uh, the yeah. world that we live in today? Um, and that requires founders and projects that are super open-minded and innovative and, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and dream big. And I think, it, yeah. I think that's something that um, maybe, you know, after the DeFi summer in, in 20, you know, 2020 and, and, you 20, know, 20. there's, yeah. And then, you know, there, 
and there are a lot of a lot of projects kind of are doing somewhat of a copycat and, and you know copying each other because it's all open source um, and it's you know for us we're truly looking at you know projects that are, are world changing that are you know first to market in some ways uh, and that look at it differently you know and, and that's super exciting for us because we know that the the next DeFi summer or the the NFT boom or whatever you know uh, it, as investors, you want, we want to look ahead, you know, and we can't follow yeah. the, uh, uh, you know, the kind of the uh, what's happening today, the trend today. Yeah, you want to be setting the trend, being ahead of the trend versus trailing the trend, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things is, is you know, um, we we launched Trueflation and we're super excited about that, and I think we mm -hmm. viewed it very much as an experiment when we first launched, right? Is this really something? Yeah. Can we build a real business? And when I met you and when, you know, we had a great connection and we saw and, you know, the vision of what this could be potentially and where mm -hmm. this percent potentially could go. Although the path's not set, we don't know that yet, but we know that we can curve that path and create a whole new system instead of trying to change the existing legacy systems, which is really hard to do. There's so many entrenched um, processes, resources that are locked in and tied into that entrenchment. Um, how do you build a new system and an alternative that people then can choose to, right? And, and how do you, in your role, identify those new experiment fields, right? You see so many good deals and you do lots of good investments and really every time i talk to you you're always telling me about a new cool project that you've uh invested in which and uh, is, is really exciting right so you must see lots of new experiments and how do you make mm -hmm. that decision to be this is going to be a trend and this is going to be something uh we want to take a stronger foot in a position in you know and, and i think i think that's that's the favorite part about my job i think you know yeah. i get to um i get to dream more than, and I think other professions and, and even the founders sometimes. I get to dream about the future and, and you know, I'm sometimes telling the founders like what, what their project could be, right? Because yeah. um, sometimes the founders and, and, and people who are, who are running the operations, if you're an operator, right? Like you can see maybe, you know, six months or one year, you know, maybe two, three years from now, right? You know, but as, yeah. as an investor, you know, for us, we're looking at five years, 10 years down the line, um, and you know, I forgot which investor, or, or it might have been Steve Jobs or someone famous that that uh, had a quote talking about how you know you want to you want to you know visualize the future and then you know build what's missing, right? Yeah. Um, so you you first have to kind of look ahead and say, well, you know, with all the tools that are available today, you know, what could be possible five ten years from now? You know, how information will be flowing and how data could be flowing and that when how people will be using, you know, these products and services and, and how, what would the world look like in 10 years? Um, and, and from there, and, you know, um, we can derive uh, kind of the, the, you can see a kind of glimpse of it, maybe a, a, a super fine line of how potentially we could get there. And there are multiple lines. Right. There's like billions of lines that could get to that future. <laughs> we'll get to a different, different future. Right. But at least yeah. you can see a few lines that could get there. And then, and you have to, you know, as an, as an early stage investor kind of bet on that line, you know, and, yeah. and when that line connects to the future and along the way, 
you know, and there will be a lot of a lot of returns and a lot of um, creation, value creation along the way. And then for us, it's yeah. it's about it's just about dreaming. It's about looking further down and and what could be possible technically, you know. And I think, um, it, you know, fortunately, you know, I'm, I'm not in the business of physics or 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 you know chemistry. I think those industries are or are are you know, it's not um, within my expertise to imagine like, hey, okay, one day we can float around without gravity in the world. I don't know. Like I have to ask a PhD physicist, but, you know, from from a technical standpoint, uh, you know, we can see kind of the trend where that's going and then technology advancements. And, and, and I think the black horse is quantum, right? We don't really know what quantum is going to do. But other than that, you know, like everything else is like, okay, like what's possible today? And with, more advancements what could it be you know 10 yeah. years from now yeah and then backtracking and, and building that and that's the yeah you know i studied in switzerland and you know switzerland is cold in winter and ice hockey was a a national sport and playing mm-hmm. ice hockey there was one quote from wayne gretzky who was like you know the god of ice hockey the um, and right. he always would say, I, de- I don't go after the puck. I anticipate where the puck is going. And so to me, that mm. really stuck in my mind, right? Where is it going to go? Mm. We try to anticipate where it goes. It doesn't always go there. And people on ice skates move right. around all the time really fast, as we all know. But at least you're right. anticipating where it's going to go versus just following it all the time because you're always going to be behind the puck at in, that, in that case. So, uh, yeah, it's right. really super important, right? Um, how yeah. do you anticipate Totally. I think it's, you yeah. know, as, as a team, you need some team members that are yeah. uh, behind the puck at all times, right? Like operating. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. for for myself, that's, I see myself as part of the team when I make an yeah. investment, right? And and my role on that hockey team, as using that same example, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, making investment is like joining a hockey team right and my role and my position in the hockey team is to to anticipate is to to be more like wing right and and uh and, and there are others on the team that are perhaps you know coos or ctos or you know their their work is to to make sure that hey we have everything buttoned up from the next three months or six months and and very fortunately you know therefore as an investor you know so we get to look far ahead uh with yeah having those team members that are taking care of the short term. And then, you know, the CEOs is likely looking, you know, a few years ahead. And as investors, you know, we're basically our job is to look even further ahead and, and perhaps, you know, help the CEO to, to guide them in, in a certain way that, you know, into the future a little bit more. Yeah. And like I, I said, you know, with you, I, I feel you've been extremely participatory in, in our evolution in terms of helping us identify where the business models could go, what sort of some of the tokenomics could look like, what, how the operations and, and some of the leads as well in terms of business leads. Mm-hmm. Right. And so to us as, as a founder, that's like super helpful, right? Because we're worrying about execution, delivery, team cohesiveness, man- alignment in the direction we want to go, strategy, um, and then ultimately all the tactics in the middle. And so having somebody that we can really go to that shares the same vision is is not to be underestimated for any entrepreneur and, and startup, right? And, and I think that's mm-hmm. something you tend to neglect in desperation sometimes. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, with maturity, maybe you learn that. <laughs> um, yeah. But, and I, it's, it's exciting. Yeah. It's just, you know, yeah. w- our job is to, 
to find platforms and allies and partners that yep. that can help uh, our you know our founders right and yep. and you know many different firms do it very differently like and I think it, you look at Paradigm maybe they have a huge research uh, team and you have um, you know Delphi that does a lot of tokenomic stuff and then you got yep. uh, Andrews and Horowitz have a huge yep. massive team right team yeah. and for us you know so when we look ahead. When we look ahead and we talk about this stuff and 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 into the five year, ten year future and on that theme, you know, we believe that crypto is is decentralized and it's global, right? And it's it's uh, exactly. across the board. It's totally. there's no borders, yeah. right? And 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 that kind of dream or vision of this global, um, you know, operation requires a lot of partners uh, that are really physically uh, in those parts of the world uh, and, and, you know, that are having, you know, uh, different perspectives and, and, and maybe different concerns, different problems with, you know, in, in the, in the case of inflation or, or, you know, regulation and, okay. and by having people in those places physically for us, it's super important. Uh, so, okay. you know, I, I will believe that, you know, we'll probably have the, as one of the the larger VCs in the crypto space, and to have really strong track record, we're probably the most international than than really anyone else. As yeah. having offices in Hong Kong, Singapore, Seoul, Shanghai, um, and you know, and covering all major cities in Asia, um, and then you know now uh, you know I'm spending a lot of time in Mexico City, and we have um, a person in Austin, in San Francisco, and you know in Miami, New York, and and you know soon LA. Um, so by having those physical presence that allow us to, to basically partner with different platforms and different, you know, allies, and then all of a sudden, you know, our founders that are interested in expanding those regions and, and fulfill their global vision in the next five, 10 years, which I believe all our founders will be doing in crypto. Um, so we're getting ahead of that by building those, you know, regional partnerships and allies um, and, you know, connecting founders with big platforms like Binance Labs and, and you know, Chainlink Labs. And, and these are, you know, huge allies of ours that, that would um, dramatically accelerate the, the fulfillment of their vision. So, you know, so that's kind of the approach that we've taken. Uh, and I, I hope that, you know, that, that, uh, um, that more and more VCs will, will kind of take that approach instead of the, the passive approach. Um, and then for us, you know, we've, taking kind of the lead on this international regional approach yeah. of, of building that, that network out for, for our founders. Yeah. And I think that's a big transition that crypto and blockchain and web three has brought about, right? It's, it's the talent is global. It's decentralized. Mm -hmm. And, and as a result, your presence has to be everywhere in a way in order to adapt and attune to the local color cultures, to aggregate the local data. And we're seeing that from a trueflation standpoint, you know, as we go totally. into Mexico, Canada, UK, or Europe, we need to have the same sort of data sources that align with, with the overall calculations and align the weighting for calculating inflation based on the household expenditures that do differ, right? I mean, the US economy, 70% mm -hmm. of the economy is based on consumption. In Europe, it's not mm -hmm. that high, right? I mean, it, it's more mm -hmm. the government plays a big role in, in, in the overall GDP in, in Europe, right? And so how does right. that reflect it in the household expenditure, right? And 
uh, rent. Everybody's a renter in Europe, whereas in the U.S., it's still uh, a large portion is still house ownership. And so there's all these differences that right. come into uh, how totally. to navigate that and how to have the expertise to help us in those grounds and find the right partners that can bring us the right type of content insights um, from those markets is really important. Right. Yeah. I think that's that's super important, and, and especially in Asia, right? You know, I think, you know, obviously mainland China has its own, you know, um, kind of rules that, that you yeah. know, that we all know about. Um, and, you know, and I think even in Singapore and, and you know, Hong Kong, I mean, these these districts are very special, right? Like very yeah. in comparison to the U.S. cities. And they're like, wow, they're super complicated and that they're yeah. much more tied to governments or, or you know, macro yeah. environments, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I think in some ways, you know, I think when I look at cities in the U.S., sometimes you know, San Francisco and New York and, and yes, macro environments, you know, matter. And, but, you know, but it doesn't affect it as much as like, say like, you know, a one regulation change in, in say Hong Kong, for example, or, yeah. or, you know, Singapore or, you know, in Asia, it, it's a, it's a big change. You know, I think a lot of things shift over there a lot more than the U S I think in some ways yeah. the U S capital markets or information or, you know, technology sector have been, much more resilient and stable and, and yep. you know, that are independent from maybe from the, the, uh, a lot of the government, um, at least I'd like to think, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of a huge difference from, you know, the East and the West, you know, I think there's, yep. there's a lot more, um, state participative ventures and state participated um, organizations and, and even in Japan, right? Some of the top banks are, yeah. you know, 30, 50% owned by the government. And, you know, and, yeah. and nobody talks about that, by the way. It's, it's, yeah. it, I think it's funny <laughs> that like uh, everyone is paying attention to how China is, is uh, uh, obviously have a lot of state owned, you know, companies state owned enterprises. And, yeah. 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 and then, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, Chinese born in Osaka and, and you lived lived in Japan for eight years, in China for eight, and and you know, look at when you look at the top companies in Japan, and you look at it, hey, these are, you know, thirty percent, fifty percent state owned companies, you know, and not not that different from China, or, and probably not that different from Russia, but but you know, Japan doesn't get talked about in that way, <laughs> so it's it's funny, <laughs> but it's like that in Asia, you know. Yeah. So. I think one of the things that we've, you know, I, I've spent most of my career in Asia. And what I liked very much is Asia has a lot of traditions. And in a way, the culture mm -hmm. there has always been very conservative, right? However, thanks mm -hmm. to the China, Korea, and Japan, and, and, you know, it's been very quick in adopting crypto as an alternative mm -hmm. currency. And, and maybe also because of the nature of, of money goes up and, there are no institutions mm -hmm. there really to provide you a pension per se. It's very mm -hmm. merit oriented, right? And, and, and stuff and, and sort of there's no, yeah. So uh, how do you see that? You know, why, why do you think Asia was much quicker in adopting crypto? And even today, if you look at the big players in the market, all came out of Asia, right? I mean, you know, even FTX mm -hmm. started off in Hong Kong, right? BitMEX launched in Hong yeah. Kong and, you know, they all yeah. sort of started, coin was in Singapore, then became liquid in, mm -hmm. in, in Tokyo. And so it's like a lot yeah. of this innovation came, you know, Luna, UST, out of Korea. So you've got all these different 
Bitmain out of China. You were talking about them earlier. So a lot of innovation actually yeah. came out of Asia, right? So it's like interesting to see yeah. um, that adoption. And, and now it's sort of also incorporating the rest of the world as they come into it, right? So like, yeah, so it's interesting mm-hmm. um, how that happens. Um, I completely agree. Yeah. I, I think in some ways, you know, I think um, just like how China kind of leapfrogged the, the, the credit cards, right? Yeah. And then they went straight to digital payments using a mobile yeah. application, using yeah. Alipay and WeChat Pay. Um, and, you know, Japan actually um, went right past, I think, some of the, uh, the, the, the aim or instant messaging on web and yeah. went straight to to mobile messaging of line, right? And then, you know, that was, I mean, that was a Korean company, but they, uh, the, the adoption of like, of young people using the internet in Japan to, to, to have a social media communicating, you know, it it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, uh, nearly as, as high as, you know, I think the U S and, and, and even like the, the search of, you know, like, it's crazy. They still use Yahoo search in Japan, right? Which is, uh, unbelievable you know uh, they still use yahoo search today and it's like that is still the dominant search engine in japan and then and, and you know when you look at those things and you realize that you know certain things they just they decided not to adopt as a society or as a country and then yeah. and they just leapfrogged it they instead they're like okay well we're not gonna do this you know the web like kind of social media thing. I mean, now they're using a little bit more, maybe Twitter or Facebook or whichever platform, but, but they kind of went straight to instant messaging on mobile. Um, yeah. So, and, and in many ways, yeah. like instead of younger people, right? Like instead of looking at maybe traditional stocks and equity and, and, you know, capital markets in, in, in Japan and, and hasn't done that well, right. In the, the stock markets yeah. and, and, and in China, the stock markets are, are tricky. Right. And, yeah. And they don't have a lot of uh, access to the Western markets. And, you know, they probably don't have like equivalent of, you know, um, uh, coverage like Robinhood where, you know, where younger yeah. people are excited to kind of trade stocks. And, and, and when they have, you know, this crypto currency that, um, that, you know, came to life and, and, and speak to them in a, in a way that they can understand, you know, the, the you know, in the younger generations, you know, they, they just completely bypass the, the kind of traditional finance and, and, and engagement in traditional finance and, and, you know, buying our know, real estate trust or whatever. They went straight into, okay, this is, this is the, the new money. And that is, you know, that we can own ourselves and we understand technology and we know more than, than the, you know, the, the people who are kind of more conservative. Um, and, and I feel that. And, and obviously regulation has been, uh, in changing over the last yep. few years, right? In the last short few years, um, Japan has changed its stance a number of ways, and, and China obviously has changed its stance, you know, many different ways. Um, yep. And and you know, and at this, uh, even with those changes, I think the younger generation have realized that um, they're taking some of these initiatives into their own hands and they're saying like, Hey, we can decide, we can access these things exactly. just with the internet, you know, yeah. and they, they didn't have to get a brokerage account and then get, you know, all sorts of this wall garden, right. To, to be able to access like yeah. in Asia, like in, in the U S already, there's a ton of like, you, you try to set up a fidelity account and it were, you know, one of these, you know, brokerage accounts, it's as like a 16 year old. It's just like, yeah, 
Like, what do I do? Right. Yeah. And then in the crypto comes in and you just say, Oh, you just take a photo and verify, you know, you as a person and then you're not a hacker and, and then you're, you're all of a sudden you're in, you can buy Bitcoin with, with, you know, bank account or whatever, you know, allowance account that you have, you know, as, as, you know, doesn't really matter how old you are. So, yeah. you know, so I think that's super interesting. Yeah, I think the, the two things, right? One is, you know, sort of mobile has been really a driver for providing personalized internet access. And I think that has enabled so many new features and services, right? And then crypto has provided youth and a way to participate in a mm-hmm. new world and new paradigms that currently the incumbents and the current regulators are just outdated, right? I mean, they're not in touch with all these capabilities anymore. And as a result, Mm -hmm. they still are used to the fidelity and the 50 pages. You're only allowed to set up a bank account when you're 18 years old. You're not allowed to stock trade until, you know, so all of these limitations that have Mm -hmm. incapacitated or have not allowed anybody to participate in a lot of the opportunity and the wealth that's created buying a house is too expensive now right you can't afford it you won't get a mortgage because you don't have right. a track record you don't have a credit history yet and it's like oh you know and then oh maybe you're even burdened with you know student loans and stuff like that and right how do you get up totally. to speed fast enough right and crypto has mm-hmm. been and web3 has been an enablement for everybody to be able to participate and join and um engage but there's also i think an element of of in a way you know because of the age gap between Mm -hmm. the existing regulators and their ties to the existing um uh infrastructure and processes and legacy systems um it's it's sort of led to a sort of i call it a bit of a mistrust in, in, in the existing mm-hmm. institutions or a lack of insight or transparency that they'd be looking for traditionally, which they get everywhere else where I'm totally open. I'm constantly tweeting about myself, sharing everything. And sort of that's sort of how we launched inflate, Trueflation to provide mm-hmm. an alternative. Not to say you're bad. Right. This is the way you calculate it. But we just want to show a developer approach to that. And um, right. yeah, where, where can we take this, right? Right. And I think it's the, you know, and, and you, your experience with Bitcoin, right. And, and yeah. the world of Bitcoin, how we, how we enter this world crypto, I think in, from my personal perspective, what the true innovation of Bitcoin is the, the alignment of incentives, you know, across yeah. all parties within the network. Right. Um, and for the first time, I think in, in, in the world, we realize that, if you have aligned incentives um, in just about anything, you know, um, it's a way to get rid of bad actors. It's a way to, to you know, have a, uh, you don't even need a rule anymore because everyone's incentivized to do the same thing. Exactly. And, and it makes everything easier, uh, yep. you know, and, and, but when you don't have that alignment um, is, is when things get tricky and most of the world you know, from the beginning of time, we've never really had alignment of incentives exactly. between the, the customers, users, the, the builders, the creators, um, and the engineers. And, you know, and, and that's just how the world is today, you know, and, yeah. and with the world, it has realized that this incentive mechanism is super powerful, is powerful enough that the Bitcoin hasn't been broken since 2008. 
right? And yeah. for the yeah. last 14 years. And yeah. how do we create the incentive structure for other things then can align incentives together? And, and I think in the conversation of inflation numbers, right, or, or any, any government numbers, um, when you look at the incentives for, for them to publish a, a number that will look bad for them, you know, and it, there's not, there's, there's no incentive. <laughs> there's <laughs> right? no incentive. Why would they do that? <laughs> Why? You know, like I would lose my job. Like I would, I would lose votes, you know, like everything looks terrible. Like I'm not going to get elected. And I, you know, then I look terrible in history. Why would I ever do that? Right. Yeah. And, and when you look at that and you say, okay, well, there's, there's no incentive for you to publish, you know, like number, even honest numbers that are, that are truthful then you know that that gets really fishy and yeah. and you have and on the other side you have all the incentives to publish numbers that look great right yeah. and obviously the decision is very obvious what you would do as a normal human being right it's like it's like you have a your you're human, you need to eat. And, you know, yeah. on one side, there's, there's food, and the other side, I'll go hungry. You're going to go to the food. It's just it's <laughs> incentives, it's, it's, right? Uh, <laughs> it's just such a simple incentives, right? So I think that's something that we're starting to wake up. And and I think with inflation numbers or any any data that's, you know, that's published by a party that has no incentive to to be truthful uh, or to be objective to publish both the good and the bad, you know, I think that having a a decentralized way of doing it, having a very objective, truly independent way of of uh, supplying that data, supplying that service, um, and then have a full aligned incentives for everyone that's contributing the data, that's publishing the data, that is a a you know educating or spreading that data you know everyone has that incentive um to to do better right and i think honesty is is it is the best policy you know but to get to that honesty we have to structure it in a way that, that everyone wants that honesty and get rewarded by it and i think okay. that's what bitcoin has done and you know and i think when we had a conversation about how do we do that for inflation numbers you know and yep. and, and how is that experiment working um you know i i thought it was brilliant when we can align all the incentives of people that um, that want to see and that want to, um, you know, have access and, and uh, distribute um, a, a data uh, and, and the power of having that data uh, and that information to, to help others to be able to build products with, with honesty, right, around the world. And I think that's super powerful uh, for trueflation, uh, or really anything that's decentralized um, and, and aligning incentives um, that, that are supplying data that's, uh, that's meaningful. And I think that's what people tend to like around what we're doing at Truflation, the fact that they can have it off-chain if they wanted to, but all the data mm. has been verified on-chain and can be checked and, 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 and you know, verified, again, on-chain, right? And, and that's what they like. Um, Ultimately, we believe that more and more smart contracts as governance shifts on chain, all of these smart contracts are going to require a truth source of truth, right? An oracle. Where do they get that from? Mm -hmm. And what's the transparency associated with that? How do I plug that in mm -hmm. quickly without having to redevelop it? 
And, and so that's sort of the market that we've been going on. And the brilliance with the partnership with Chainlink, at least, has been the multi-chain element, right? And, and we're, mm-hmm. I'm a big believer that it's going to be a multi-chain world because I don't think end users of a service or a, a DAP are going to be, they don't really care what chain it works on. I want fast finality. I want cheap transaction right. costs. And I want a great user mm-hmm. experience, right? That's an intuitive user experience. And so that's what we need to be, mm-hmm. be building in order to be successful. Yeah. And we see the same way. Yeah, absolutely yeah. the same way. Yeah. 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 And I think the, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, yeah, I think the tribalism within our industry, right? And, and I understand that, you know, and I, understand all their perspectives but but it when it comes to a platform that allows people to build just about anything and 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 be the source of truth right and um you know it's just it it, there's gonna be multiple platforms that will be basically trying to build the source of truth and and people um what can choose you know uh, with their own will and yeah and whatever they what they want to believe in and and you know, and frankly, we have we have a lot of talent that have come into the space and have, have can build multiple of these yes. chains and, and and platforms. So so there's you know there's no reason why like one would take all of it. You know, I think yeah. there's going to be you know certain aspects will be meaningful for 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 you know one industry or one area than the other. Um, yeah. And the the best part of all of this is it's all open source. Right. Yep, so, like, exactly. you know, and, and and we can check, we can verify, yep. you know, ourselves. So, uh, so I think that's the most important part because when you have, you know, platforms that are centralized and and it just it just like we talk about, it's a misaligned yep. incentives, right? And 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 then when I look back at my career, like the beginning of my career, I, I started in uh, uh, investment management at Liberty Mutual Asset Management, and you know, I was a, a intern at the time, and 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 you know scanning and getting into the bloomberg terminal and and looking at all the data and and you kind of just fully trusting that like whatever is on that terminal bloomberg is the source of truth right like you're like okay this information is is correct uh because bloomberg says so because we pay a lot of money to bloomberg yeah, exactly and you know and, <laughs> and have this terminal like i have this little like yubikey keychain and with my fingerprint and everything and and you know, so they must be true. You know, they they must uh, uh, be aligned in an incentive with us as an investment management firm, as a management firm to provide the right information. Because if, if they don't, then we don't pay the money, and and then you know, then they don't have a business. Um, yeah. But you know, but but it's, but it's much more complicated behind the scenes because you know, if Bloomberg did have some incentive to spread X data, right? Um, then it shows up on my screen, shows up on everyone's screen, and and we kind of just trust that it's the the right data. Um, and, and they also have gotten way too big that like everyone's using Bloomberg, so I there know. is no other option. No. So all of a sudden you're like, well, is it like you know how how could we verify that Bloomberg yeah. is giving me the right data on my screen, or how do we know that like in the order of this, these articles information that that's provided, the data that's provided to me uh, is, you know, I don't know, it's, it's uh, personalized or is, is objective. And, uh, and, you know, the, it, 
there's someone behind it that's manipulating the data that's or that's publishing curating, in a certain yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Curating, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's uh, it's tricky. And you know, working yeah. at Facebook, you know, um, actually, I, I saw a, a way ahead of time there was a there was a scandal on Facebook that was basically the, the top right of web, you know, uh, on the Facebook platform that was the 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 curated news or the breaking news. Right. Yep. And that created a huge, huge um, uh, scandal because there were contractors that are like, you know, basically putting what it's what is a breaking news, what is not. And then when it comes to elections, when it comes to, you know, things that you have uh-huh. to be objective, you can't have that. You just can't not have that. And even the news feed, you know, um, not having a ton of um, option to choose what you want to see, what you what you want to read, right? And it's purely curated by algorithm, right? Um, and, you know, and and those are the things that, like, when you work at a centralized platform that's super powerful that a lot of people have, you know, basically get thrown information at, uh, you know, from the algorithm by the engineering team. And, you know, there's but there's curation behind that algorithm, right? And so I, so I think... <clears throat> In light of the current events of, of Twitter and Elon Musk, and, and yeah. you know, I'm hoping that that you know we can we can have more options, like we can yeah. have more selected selections of like, hey, I want to have like what well, they're they're more honest about like what the heck does the the algorithm doing in the background, Dude. right? And what is exactly. it to us? Um, and you know, and by having that decentralized is really important, I think. Yeah, decentralized and open source, like you said right at the beginning, right? When mm-hmm. it's transparent for everybody to have an opinion on, and then it's up to the curators to then optimize the code base, right? And so based on the sentiment and the user feedback, and if it's an improvement to the code base, and it does and fulfill the values that that is reflected on that platform or in that network, right? One of the things I like mm-hmm. to use a lot is I use a call talc, right? So it comes from the chip semiconductor development, but it's basically where everything's tightly aligned. So we need to work seamlessly. And in Web3, we're all aligned in, 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 I think, providing this new system and what does this new system look like? And we're yet still loosely coupled because we are so many partners in so many jurisdictions in so many different platforms with so many different skill sets that we're all working together mm-hmm. in some way on different projects. But so we are loosely coupled because I'm working with that project and it needs to somehow work with this project as well, but we're all aligned in where we want to move this towards. And I think that that phrase talc or T-A-L-C really just works, um, works well for addressing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, there's, there's so much more that we could be covering off and the world is in an abundance of opportunity. And I, I really believe we're, in, and that's why I'm super excited about what we're doing here, right? It's, there's so much opportunity and this is the best time to be alive, right? There's no greater mm-hmm. time to pursue opportunities in Web3. Um, and, and so you're helping us drive this uh, by funding super good entrepreneurs. And maybe you can share one big project that you think of you're mm-hmm. working with right now outside of Truflation, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, of course. That you're excited about and, and where you see the opportunities. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm drawn to big ideas. I'm drawn to, yeah. you know, um, big, big changes that, 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 you know, that, um, that we haven't seen before. Um, yeah. and I think, you know, one of the things that we, we discussed, um, that I'll share you with you a little bit is, you know, we, we've invested in a really early, uh, into a project called impervious, um, and at the time, they were building, you know, APIs to access the, the Bitcoin network and Lightning network, right? And and one, I think there's a few things in play here. I think the the Bitcoin network, most of the the people in in Bitcoin, um, you know, they they see it as as a store of value. They they look at yeah. it, and they say, hey, you know, you just buy it, you hold on to it, you put it into a very safe, very secure place, never touch it, right? And this is going to be your like your uh, passed down to your your grandson and your generational wealth, right? That's that's probably how they view it. Um, yeah. But in reality, you know, there's this whole lot more like with what Bitcoin has done, and you know, uh, the layer two is a Lightning Network, and there's there's a lot more building that's going on there on on the and the Lightning Network, and, and and I think three four years ago when you look at Lightning Network. And, you know, a lot of people were criticizing that, like, it's not growing fast enough and it's maybe it's uh, uh, it's centralized or, you know, you have to run nodes and that they're not there were not enough nodes. Right. But now there's thirty five thousand nodes and the, the nodes are, you know, increasing rapidly. And there's, you know, big um, advocates, you know, like Jack Dorsey and, and, and the uh, you know, Michael Saylor and everyone that is pushing for for, you know, this layer two network on Bitcoin. And we're starting to see that, you know, we could potentially put um, a stable coin. I think Lightning Labs just announced that, that we could potentially put, you know, anything uh, that's like, you know, government backed tokens on there as well, like um, dollars or any, any currencies on there uh, besides just Bitcoin. And you can put, if you can do that, that means you can put a whole bunch of other things on there. Yeah. Um, so kind of the future of putting things on Bitcoin using Lightning Network is the idea of that is super interesting because you have this super secure network on the bottom and you have another layer on top of it that, that can transact, you know, really, really fast. And, um, and then that, that world of, you know, open source, still open source and, and, and be able to, um, you know, run on a, a, you know, one of the largest network in, on Bitcoin uh, to build products on top of that is super interesting. So Impervious is uh, started with giving APIs to access that network, and then now they're they're launching a browser in the next couple of weeks, um, and they can have 4K videos on Lightning Network on Bitcoin. Um, so you know with this this kind of zoom looking um, thing, and it's purely peer to peer without zoom in the middle. And we can directly have a call from one person to another uh, through the impervious, you know, Lightning Network and on Tor Network, and and it's purely purely encrypted. Uh, and if you can do that, then you can have messages, you know, send as well. So you have a, a basically WhatsApp feature, yep, and then yep. if you can do that, then That's... you can have a you know IPFS and storage feature like a like a Google Doc feature. Yep. Um, then you know it, all those things. You know, um, we're looking at a different world of, of, you know, our interactions, our video calls, our information sharing, file sharing, access to information. You know, you, you can even publish 
on this you know lightning network and that's completely uncensorable and anyone that's on the lightning network going using an impervious browser can access to it so the firewalls and all these different things you know um you can bypass it a whole lot easier with this consumer product um so we're we're kind of dreaming a little bit about the world that where you know where it's truly peer-to-peer um and you know i think a lot of the peer-to-peer centralized applications that we're using um they they say it's peer-to-peer but it's it's there's somebody in the middle right um so if we can truly get to the world of like me to you and you to family member and and you know and and there's nothing in between um and that's fascinating and then i think that enables a lot of different things um and a lot of um yeah just unique products and unique ideas to be born um and yeah the intermediary that we're breaking down and on all aspects right and in uh, you know for trueflation it's it's the the kind of the the, the bloomberg that's curating yep. right right and then we're decentralizing that like instead of their curation you know we're going to have open source data that's out there for people to, to take and, and and use those data um objectively right um so all those things that will, whenever we can, we can kind of, in a way, push out the person in the middle and say, hey, you don't really need to be there anymore because technology has advanced to this point. Uh, and that's super exciting. So I think we're super excited about the Lightning Network, the the browser that's you know natively built on Lightning Network that can do so many things that we never even imagined a Bitcoin network do. Uh, so I think that that was kind of an eye-opening moment for me and say, wow, like this huge network, you know, where people thought that we just buy it and, and hold on to it forever and never touch it again. And now we can have Zoom calls with it, you know, <laughs> and that was, that was kind of the moment of like, this changes a lot of things. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is getting really weird. Uh, so, but in, in a good way. Right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that's super exciting for me. Yeah, no. So check it out, Impervious. I mean, one of the things why I got into crypto is the peer-to-peer transfer mm-hmm. of money, right? I mean, I really got excited right. when I could transfer money around the world instantaneously, no mm-hmm. fees, on the Bitcoin network, right? And um, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. And so now, seeing the fact that now I can interact with each other, we can have social engagement, right? Beyond just moving money around. We can use the blockchain for many, many other purposes is, is really mm-hmm. why this is the best time to be alive and why we no longer need to rely on middlemen that are telling us how to do and what to do and what we can do. But we can leverage a network of a com- in a community that are like-minded, share the same visions and really go after that and interact directly with those participants in that community. So it's great. Um, yeah, thank you very much. You know, Henry, you know, sort of super good, lots of insights, um, share similar vision, which is really cool to see and experience. And thank you for sharing that with the audience. It's super excited. And um, yeah. yeah, thank you. We'll be, yeah. Thank you, Henry. This was Stefan Roost and Henry Love. You can follow Henry Love on Twitter at Yenolove, Y-E-K-N-O-W-L-O-V-E. 
and Fundamental Labs at Fundamental Labs, F-U-N-D-A-M-E-N-T-A-L-L-A-B-S. You can also follow Stefan on Twitter at srust99, S-R-U-S-T-99, and you can find the Super Excited with Stefan Roost podcast on all major podcast platforms and on YouTube on the Stefan Roost channel. Thank you for listening. Yeah.